With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and my favorite low-key Thanksgiving song is Let Em In by Paul McCartney. I'm Tommy Rico, and my favorite low-key Thanksgiving song is Macy's Day Parade by Green Day. Yeah, real low-key there, Tom. (laughs) It's one of their more sedate hits. The Macy's Arbor Day Parade? Well, anyway, we're going to talk about what we're thankful for later on. But Julia's a bit under the weather, and so we have a pinch hitter. Let's get digital with Amanda Stonehall. Hi, guys. Happy to be back. Hey, we're happy hey. to have you. And Amanda, remind everybody out there, Give I don't want to mess up your title. So remind everybody what you did for your, uh, your, in your time at the Tower in Stanford. I was the social strategist, which was kind of an ambiguous title because they purposely left out the media part. <laughs> <laughs> they do that sometimes do at that. WWE. You're, you're not a writer. You're a creative writer. At WWE. <laughs> Isn't that weird that they add that at the beginning and it makes it sound less? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he's very creative. It sounds like it's something you'd say about a three year old, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, Amanda, if two wrestlers didn't get along, did they ever have to you try to mediate? You know, I did not know that much about interpersonal <laughs> uh, relations or issues. Uh, I really, I think the biggest one I remember is more pay discrepancies that I was aware of. And ah. obviously when I say, obviously the 2015 incident of when I got to see Seth Rollins dick. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Well, you, you and most of the world with a computer apparently. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So Amanda, here, here's a big thing that's been going on in the wrestling world and it continues to dominate, uh, even today with some, some merchandise that was being sold CM Punk. In AEW. Do you know much about this story, Amanda? You know you're very busy with your with your day job. Have you been able to follow what's going on with uh, Mr. Punk over at um, AEW? I do know he's been making waves. So I I am off, for the most part, the wrestling uh, radar. Well, so I do is he. Fo- I do follow my girl, Kathy Kelly, which I know is go. not AEW related. But um, I, I see CM Punk's name from time to time. Obviously, uh, Twitter trending topics aren't accurate anymore because they don't have anyone manning it. But, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I've seen him trend Neil from Armstrong time to time. died again. Oh my God. I can't believe this. <laughs> Tom, do you want to explain uh, the CM Punk situation? So to try to encapsulate it as most as possible, CM Punk returned after seven years away from professional wrestling to AEW. Uh, his popularity basically untouched. And if anything, his legend grew more 
and his reintroduction to wrestling was received very well. And CM Punk, who at I'd say at most junctures in his WWE experience, probably worked best as a heel uh, and a heel that got over as a babyface because the fans loved him because he was just cool and said great things and and put on great matches. When he came back to AEW, he had kind of this earnestness that was, I think, legitimate, but then kind of became almost a character flaw where it was like, hey, I'm just happy to be here, guys. And it's like, no, you're one of the biggest stars in wrestling. So CM Punk had kind of a injury ridden year back. Uh, he spent some time on the shelf with some injuries and came back and obviously came back to major programs with other, uh, you know, top flight wrestlers. And at a press conference, after defeating John Moxley for the AEW Heavyweight Championship, uh, went a little off script or a lot off script and basically tore into anyone and everyone he had grievances with in the company on a live mic sitting next to owner of AEW, Tony Khan, who <laughs> looked hor- horrified through the whole thing. He had some good reaction shots. He's a, yeah. He's, yeah, he's a good curb supporting character that yeah, like just kind of made the Larry faces. Yeah, it was, and, and Larry's also the name of CM Punk's dog. Yeah, and he comes into play after that. So CM Punk basically ethered every one of his enemies in the company on mic and then leaves the press conference to go to his locker room. In his locker room is his dog, Larry. And in the locker? The dog has been in the locker that entire time? Well, no, in the the locker room. Okay. So I was like, (laughs) he kept his dog in the locker and here he is. No, let's not start another. There's enough Larry Larry rumors out there anyway. We don't want to start. No, Larry has been the, the... He's been the focus of a lot of a lot of speculation. So uh, Larry the dog is in CM Punk's uh, locker room, and so is his mentor, uh, Ace Steele's wife, taking care of Larry. And during this uh, this screed that CM Punk did during the press conference, he invoked the EVPs, the Executive Vice Presidents of AEW, uh, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. Uh, previously, uh, who held that title was Cody Rhodes, now with WWE, but he was gone. So uh, during his screed, Kenny Ortega CM Punk, is a familiar name too. Was he a WWE guy? Kenny Omega was or, uh, Omega. recruited by WWE, but ultimately never signed. Okay. Uh, the young, the young bucks as well, because I mean they were stars all over the world with the Bullet Club, which I was know a Japanese. I know the Bullet Club. Yeah, yeah a Japanese <laughs> faction that sold a lot of T-shirts at Hot Topic. So and they, to be clear, Kenny Omega, pro wrestler, and not the guy that tries to sell you too many vitamins at GMT. Correct. That's, yeah, that's, um, that's a different Kenny Omega. Yep. Yeah, that's, Ken, that's Kenny Ortega. Sure. That's so who I thought rate, he said too. Kenny Omega and the Bucks went to CM Punk's locker room to take exception with the things that he had said, and this is where things kind of don't always jibe depending on who is telling the story i'm just liking watching amanda's face here because she's hearing the story for the first time and it really is like seeing uh deliverance with someone for the first time it's so john safe to say oh my god like yeah safe to say no one none of the people involved have made public comment about this particular scrap this fight right no one has said in the locker room yes so, so it was CM Punk and Ace Steel and Larry the Dog. Well, no, it wasn't Ace Steel yet. Ace Steel's wife. 
Well, the, yeah, the supposedly. Dog, so, it, it, to varying degrees, depending on who you believe. There's some people that said Larry the dog got thrown. Between. All right. So, so Ace Steel, who is CM Punk's mentor and friend and a former professional wrestler, and by all, by all public appearances, a kind of unhinged guy, like a really passionate, kind of scary guy. Um, Tom, where are you so, right now, by the way? As we do I'm this in episode. Chicago, everyone. Yeah, I'm in the so Windy just, City. So I'm just, in Lake Geneva. Hey. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, Ace Steel. And see, so I, hey, Ace, he's there. He's in Chicago. Okay, back to what you're saying, he's, Tom. He's busy. So yeah. at any rate, um, no one seems to know who threw the blow. No one seems to know what happened other than there was a fight. CM Punk, after winning the championship, uh, had hurt his arm already. So he had a triceps injury that he needed surgery on that he got during the match with Moxley. So he's already hurt and yet still managed to throw a punch at one of the young bucks and, and landed a punch. And so in this scrum, Ace Steel, who now sees that his wife is in the middle of a big fight with taking care of uh, CM Punk's dog, bum rushes the room and apparently bites Kenny Omega in the in the scrum. <laughs> Now, that's where it gets very interesting, because, you know, if you were to lay this out for me, like if you were the producer of this fight and you're like, there's going to be a bite. Uh, that's a cool swerve that it comes from the guy, not the yep. dog. Interesting. Man bites man. Yep. So, yeah, that is a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. So Tony Khan, who had and it was by all accounts, a successful pay-per-view. They had a lot of buys. They had all eyeballs on them. And all of a sudden, this absolute shit show takes place after the press conference. Um so, Without cameras, too. Like exactly. So this is where things get a little <laughs> weird. So John, remind us what your mom, who was in journalism for most of her life, what she mentioned about uh, what where, happens when there's no police involved. Well, she her first question was, so "What did the police report say?" And I said, "There was no police report." She said, "It's fake," and went back to watching TV. Yep. Yeah. She the police were. Wouldn't the police said, were it's fake. You should know. Had, like. Every uh, anyone... every wrestling media company tried to contact the local police, and they finally got comment, which was we weren't called. So, and also, how did this story come out then? Like, who leaked the story? Who was the rat of the story? Larry the dog? <laughs> that well, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I have I have more respect for Larry the dog than some of the people we've tossed around that we think may have leaked it. Um, I think Larry the dog probably did leak. If we're being honest, different kind of leak. I would yeah, too if he's I not a rat. That. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, the accusations for who's the rat, basically the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are darlings of the Wrestling Observer, which is Dave Meltzer's outfit. And so they are very media friendly and have been known to plant stories. So they are taking most of the heat as far as that goes. Punk obviously has at least a few friends in the media. So mm-hmm. it depending on what side of the story, who threw the first punch and all that nonsense, there's a lot of different accounts as to what happened. What actually happened was Kenny, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were suspended by uh, Tony Khan. They were taken off TV for a few weeks. And CM Punk is under suspension, though he can't compete because he's injured anyway. But they are all currently still signed to AEW. There were rumors that Tony Khan was trying to buy CM Punk out. But again, there are rumors, nothing confirmed. So that's where, that's where we stand right now. The Young Bucks and Kenny Omega have returned to TV. They returned on this weekend's uh, uh, the Full Gear pay-per-view, which was awesome. And they got a massive response. And so far, it looks like CM Punk, who came in as the conquering hero of AEW, 
if he were to ever come back, would probably be the biggest heel in the company because now the fans have totally turned on him. And so it's a very interesting dynamic with a lot of money on the table if they don't buy out CM Punk. So my question and our question, Amanda, is, okay, you're running, say you're running digital for AEW, which as we've talked about, which you should, by the way, which I did take a look, you know, in my social media director brain, I was like, okay, let me just do some research. Let me look at AEW social. And I was embarrassed for them at how bad it was. And how the thumbnails are bad. It just did not make me want to follow along. I even looked, I compared Instagram to Instagram and I was like, there's just no comparison. It's, this is bad. (laughs) Too much text. So that's what makes it bad. Just too many words and not enough. Just scroll stopping. It's just not engaging. Like even just the thumbnails should be engaging and they're not. (laughs) And and no Tino shade to the social team at AEW. I have no beef with that. Well, I don't, (laughs) we don't know how much of a social team they have because it seems like it's very clear that Tony, if you've looked at his Twitter, runs his own Twitter. <laughs> you know? Oh, so it's not like a Vince situation. He doesn't have a oh, whole team. I think he could benefit from a Vince situation <laughs> a little bit. And oh, uh, no. but but that's my question for you is that um okay, so this comes out and like Tommy said, there's been a lot of just silence and there's been a lot of elephant in the room. Now, you are and the other thing too, Tommy, and I'm sorry, cause I know you're an AEW fan and I'm a fan too. I was, but I'm just, I know you really like them. Some of their ratings have not been as good as of late and they've had some stiffer competition. And I know they did a really good gate for the pay-per-view, but you know, there's the growth kind of stopped in certain areas. So Amanda, you're, you're all about getting the word out about marketing, about trying to brand this product. Um, what you, Tony Khan says, all right, I got this crazy thing. What advice do you give? Do you say, let's stay the course and just not talk about it? Or do you say, let's jump into this and try to make a splash in the news with this thing? Yeah. You know, what's interesting about the situation is it kind of reminds me of my own personal fandom, which is the Real Housewives. And they had a situation that happened off camera that one of the parties was like, this big thing happened. It was really traumatizing. And the other person involved was like, that's not what happened at all. And like, you were agreeing with me. So it was two different stories. Right. What's interesting is that none of them have spoken. So I think there's two ways to go about this. You either put it out there and really ride on this storyline or you keep diverting, I guess, which seems like what they're doing. Oh, just to add to it really quickly. CM Punk has only made two public appearances since the suspension, which is now it's a couple months ago. Uh, And both of them were as a commentator for a small mixed martial arts company. And both of them, he joked about because, you know, because of all the skullduggery and everybody going to the sheets, the dirt sheets and talking their shit. um, So it's come out. uh, CM Punk was a cancer in the locker room and all this stuff. So he's made comment on those type of comments, but not at all on what happened. So he has he has like made some self-deprecating jokes about the perception of him. And that's it. But he had those are the two public appearances he's made. And he's been pretty he's been pretty loose lipped as far as like he's said what he wanted to say, but hasn't commented at all on the actual situation. So what's interesting is I never worked during um, when I was at WWE. It was post CM Punk era. I did have AJ, his wife there, um, but he was not involved. And everything I heard about him was that he was such a pain to work with. So if I'm Tony Khan, I would be like, well, this is my reason to not go with him. He's not going to, he's not going to play well. He's going to 
be nasty off camera. No, like he's a liability. It's interesting. So you would, you would put it out there. You'd be a little more aggressive. Like, Hey, he's yesterday's news. This is what we're doing from now on. And I would I, double I think down the, on young, young bucks. Absolutely. Wow. Interesting. So, and it's just, it's because Tommy and I have talked about this, that if punk came back, I mean, do you, do you, don't you, he'd be such a heel and Tommy's, I don't think there'd be a bigger heel and that's a way to get it. But do you think Amanda, that's kind of bad business. It's kind of trolling your fans a little bit. If you do that. Yes and no. But also if it's, if he's a heel, you can't control then like True. as big of a heel as he could be as much return of value as he could bring to AEW, it's a liability. It's how much of a oh, loose wow. cannon he is that it's too much of a risk. Well, there's also, I mean, the elephant in the room as well is that his first year back in wrestling, he was hurt a lot and he's in his early forties, but the mileage seems to be super high. And I, again, I don't think people realize how much punishment he took trying to get into mixed martial arts. He really had an affinity for it, but he wasn't particularly well-trained and he had a big name when he left WWE. So he wanted to capitalize on that and have some pro fights. The problem is when everyone in those fights has like trained to kill somebody trained to kill another human being since they were like eight years old and you're stepping in at, you know, your late thirties, you don't have a chance. So those two bashes that he took, he took an absolute beating. He got his head caved in. And I think that hurt a lot. I mean, there's no way that that doesn't stick with you. So his first year back at AEW had some great promos. He had some good matches. I don't think he had a great match in there. He had some great feuds, but as far as like the physical limitations, yeah, he was shown as where he is not like a super fit, ready to go, you know, full tilt, 42 year old guy. He's a lot of mileage beat up, like now kind of injury prone guy. And I don't think he's not somebody you can bank on for more than another year or two, I don't think. Right. So he kind of almost needs to be like a Paul Heyman situation where he needs to be the heel voice versus like the heel muscle. Interesting. Yeah. And would you say, yeah, that's what people brought up a lot. And I saw our friend Trevor Dame brought this up on Twitter is that might have been a better part time guy might have been better on sort of a legends deal. And yeah. I think that like I think the that Undertaker all, coming in every like yeah. quarter for a match and, and then going back into his grave. I think that we blindly when he came back, it was like, oh, my God, he's going to do full time. That's amazing. And didn't stop to think, wait, what could that mean? And do you really need him full time? And, you know, what's it going to be like when he's in the locker room? But, um, well, this all started, though, at the press conference after the. And Amanda, they never you guys never did like a post. Event press conference, right? At WWE, it was like the event closes, the curtain goes down, everyone leaves kind of right. Yeah. If we're doing anything after it, like. Press conferences in, in themselves are kind of archaic. You know, you don't, why do you need a press conference when you can just tweet out a post or yeah. put an Instagram story out there? Like, I, I think that shows where their mentality is at AEW that they wouldn't make a press conference a more virtual event. You're well, kind of also, so WWE does their press conferences pre show. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, they do it like week of, usually, usually like on Friday before a weekend event, which makes some sense. I will say that that particular press conference was an absolute cluster. It was a disaster on a lot of different levels. So bad that it seemed, I mean, it seemed like a work because it was so bad. Like it was like, I was like, oh wow, dinner theater. It started 
early here, you know. But Tony Tony Khan put on another one, and I was really worried. He put on another press conference after Full Gear last weekend, and it was a huge improvement. It was much, much better, and Tony was much <laughs> well, more composed. <laughs> Clearly, I mean, I, the company's still in business. Right. Yeah, if it wasn't an improvement. No, but he gets he gets a lot of flack for making bad decisions, dumb decisions, in you know, ill-informed decisions. But Tony does show growth, and that was a really good step forward. Was they when I found out they were doing another press conference, I was legitimately worried because the card was good enough and going to speak for itself. But I thought the press conference was really good. But that's what I'm, I'm wondering, Amanda. Is just like, isn't it just inviting trouble to after a wrestling show when emotions are running high and you just put on the show? Isn't are you just inviting? I mean, as a social, if you're if you're working socials, if you're working digital media, and you hear about that. Isn't that to you? Is it like a red flag? Or are you like, well, this, this could work out a certain way. It, there's, there's both sides. I okay. could argue both sides on that because it seems like there's definitely, there's definitely lemonade to be made there. But if it's something that they want to avoid, then that's the other cause. Um, I just Googled Tony Khan because I was curious. I didn't know he was a baby. Also Libra <laughs> King. Hey. Um, and a mere infant compared to what I've been used to in the past. Yes. Yeah. He is one bit. He is one busy infant though. Holy mm-hmm. crap. That guy has, that guy <laughs> well, has jobs. I do have to also say when I Googled AEW, they have their Instagram hyperlinked on Google, which, you know, happens. It links to the wrong Instagram. No. What? So, well, where does yes. it go? Where does it take you to? It goes to at AEW instead of at uh all elite wrestling which is or it goes to at all elite wrestling instead of at aew oh my gosh so (laughs) so So we have like a we have like an obamacare website part one like version 1.0 situation going on with their digital basically or their digital team is a skeleton crew that just like is trying to keep everything afloat what probably four people Praying for all of them. Well, I hope they're okay. Amanda, we do we do have. Uh, I mean, well, little birdie has told us we do have listeners in Jacksonville. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, someone will figure that out and feverishly run to the we internet. Have, well, we have friends it. there. We have friends there too. So I mean, of course we would. Um, uh, but okay, so but like okay, so we've covered a few things. So uh, we're going to be giving out Amanda's uh, tags and handles and everything uh, at the end. But before we do, since you taking a look at AEW um, and we've kind of gone over, but it's part of the bigger picture, which is them winning over the mainstream, them winning over the casual fan. And um, I, I looked at the CM Punk thing as a, you know, a situation because, you know, I'm looking at it as the the fan and, you know, I'm not, I don't work in wrestling anymore. Um, And it was, I will say this, me working at WWE, that was my CM Punk tries MMA. <laughs> that was kind of uh, an uh, analogous, I will say. But um, I don't even <laughs> think I have a lot. Of, I don't have a lot. Most of my friends there have kind of moved on, too. So I don't have a whole lot of ties uh, other than uh, same. Ms. Like Mr. the few Heyman people who are and, there, yeah. um, are, I'm loyal to. But otherwise, yeah. I'm like, mm, yeah, lo- love, love Heyman and uh, Chad and, and uh, all those folks. But, um, you know, what could you know, I'm looking at the punk thing and I was like, Oh, that's a chance to make some news and get in there with your own Montreal screw job and all that. And they didn't I do it. I kind of agree okay. with you. I feel like oh. it was a missed opportunity even to not take the real housewives of Beverly Hills route of 
put up, clearly someone leaked it. So yeah. who, whoever leaked it wasn't thinking from the business stance. So someone could have leaked it from the business stance. And how would you have done that? How would you have gotten the word out there? Um, well, much to quote Erica Jane, I also don't know how to leak a story, but I would have leaked it from both sides so that mm. you couldn't tell where the leak was coming from because it was oh, good all, call. all different sides. I would have run with it because CM Punk is big enough of a personality that he does trend on Twitter back in the day and possibly still now that it could have gotten more attention. And especially as someone like myself or other Fairweather fans. Uh, CM Punk trending on Twitter, that gets that gets people's attention, whether they're a fan or not. And if you see the story, I mean, like if say it makes the news because we've seen that sort of thing happen before. I mean, Bret Hart made the news a little bit in 97. Right. Um, you know, isn't that good? Isn't that a win for AEW to get some people changing the channel? Nope. I'll, there's no such thing as bad press is what they say. So this was a missed opportunity to really ride that on. And, you know, keep it open-ended so they could have brought it into a storyline on the show or not. Keep what people else, guessing. What else could they be doing to try to court casual fans? Because it seems like WWE still just has such a stronghold on talk shows and reality TV and stuff like that. Where could AEW get in and make a dent and just kind of like where WWE isn't maybe? It, it would be interesting to know how their internal corporate structure is. And if there's no corporate structure, that might be a start. Although I think they just need to kind of get into pop culture, take, take a cue out of Vince Kennedy McMahon's book and actually be a voice in pop culture. And they're not. Oh, there was one piece I forgot to mention. Um, Supposedly the young bucks and Kenny Omega went into uh, CM Punk's locker room with the HR director. So that's a, that's a wrinkle like I, I neglected HR to mention. Or like VP of talent, mm-hmm. HR director. No, the HR director, like oh, the, the I think the HR director and lead attorney for AEW went in with them. Unconfirmed. So those Again, two because all of this is unconfirmed. It. Yes. I just those pictured two possibly witness it. Those two might be the leaks. I no. just picture Toby from the office going in, going, ah, oh, guys, I don't really think we should do that. <laughs> like, yeah. well, let me ask. Well, okay, so let's flip things around. So, you know, it, man, it seems like every eight months we have this thing where, man, wrestling's about to take off again. It's about to be the golden age. It, and I'm just going to be honest, it, it is not. Um, the ratings kind of tick up a little bit, but it's not what it was. And it's, you know, they're still trying at live events, they're still trying to, Sell some tickets. Um, what could WWE be doing a little bit differently as someone who worked there to kind of mm. crack into? Because I've, I've ranted and raved about why are you not going on more talk shows? Why are you not trying to get certain people to host Saturday Night Live? Why are they not presenting at award shows? But those are just the layman's things. I mean, what would, I, what would you be doing at WWE to try to get back in there with that rock and wrestling mainstream thing? I think... What they're doing so far with TikTok, writing all on that. You need to recruit some TikTok stars because when I was there and we were oh. starting to do collaborations with like Lily Singh when she still had her YouTube page, you know, yep. get in with where the kids are because the kids are always, let's face it, we all care about what Gen Z is into. Yep. Millennials are out. It's what Gen Z is into. <laughs> and happily, by the way, thank you. 
I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to, to not be the target anymore. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. 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 I don't really see wrestling go after Gen Z like every other company is. I know, and, right? And that might be it. We know uh, during my time, and thank you to AJ, Mrs. Mrs. Punk, uh, for the women's movement. Where the women, you know, I saw when AEW first started, they definitely had a good, robust women's unit, but I haven't really, I didn't really see that as much when I was taking a look. And, you know, this is, this is gonna, you know, upset a good chunk of the followers on both sides, both in both groups. But what about some non binary wrestlers or like some, you know, LGBTQ wrestlers? Let's, let's really shake it up. You know, it's AEW so interesting. Does have, so AEW has, and the, one of their first women's champions was uh, Nyla Rose, who is transgender. Oh, and love it. Uh, also Sunny Kiss, who is, I believe, non binary. But at, at any rate, there so there and and it's public and also the the fir, one of the first openly gay champion wrestlers of the last ten years in. Love it. Uh, but at the in, same uh, time, but have Angela they? Bowens. But but Amanda, if, if you have that and it's wholesome and it, and it's as good a story as it is, don't you push that harder? Don't you take that route? Because WWE's not doing that. Right. So isn't that a place AEW I, could say like this is real? Route. I think. What, I will. I will tell you guys missing? these two things. Oh, I was going to say, what's also missing that I think either company could do is back in the day when WWE used to have presidential candidates, when they used to have real housewives on the show. Why don't we do that anymore? Like, yeah. you know, what's going to get me, my attention is putting Erica Jane onto Raw. That will definitely get my attention. That will get a whole look at BravoCon. That was crazy. You can get a whole group just, just from doing that. That's true. There, I mean, yep. that was a huge match at WrestleMania last year. It was Johnny Knoxville, and yeah. like, when I first heard that, I was like, "Look, I love Jackass. I love Johnny Knoxville. That's my generation." But I was also like, "Really? Like, I was like, am I about to watch WrestleMania with Johnny Knoxville? Do I do I have when math they put class Gronk tomorrow?" In there, I was like, "Okay, like you have my attention yeah. for a different reason, but okay." Yeah, but it worked. It killed. It went. It was all over the place, and then it just it's didn't go back to nice it. Also, nice when like Gronk was a friend of I can't remember which wrestler. Oh, Tom, you know, you know who, those. Who was Gronk's uh, buddy? Yeah. Oh, gosh, I know oh, this. Oh, it was the guy that was yelling at himself in the mirror. Mojo Rawley. That was yes. Mojo Rawley. Yes. Yeah. So, like, that was na natural synergy. If there's not, like, friendships in the group, it, it's harder. But they need to tap into the network. You know, networking. Just like well, us, what us regular, everyday folks have to do. Because I'm the AEW stan, I feel always compelled to defend them. Um, because AEW simply can't compete in the same way that WWE is. They have to do it a lot more shrewdly and they have to do it a lot more low key. But one thing they can do because Tony Khan's dad, Shad Khan owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought it was fun that uh, last night on Monday night football. So the North, the 49ers were playing and all of a sudden tight end, George Kittle goes to the sideline to meet up with Penta El Cero Miedo from AEW who had a 49ers Lucha mask for him. And that made TV. So, and they mentioned Penta El Cero Miedo on, uh, on Monday Night Football, which is massive. So even though AEW doesn't technically compete with them on Monday nights, they were on the show that had the most ratings over Raw last night. And then my son and I, at, on Halloween, we dressed as Orange Cassidy. We both dressed as Orange Cassidy, and we went out as father and son Orange Cassidy. Yeah. And when we went to his school party dressed as Orange Cassidy, this is what we got. 
Every kid that recognized us said, oh, you guys are Orange Cassidy from The Floor is Lava. (laughs) So Orange Cassidy and the best friends competed on the game show Floor is Lava on Netflix. And that's how all those kids knew who we were. But every one of them, their eyes lit up and they're like, and we were like, you don't know they wrestle too. Mm. But those are so AEW shrewdly and smartly kind of sneaks their people into stuff because they just don't have those media contacts. Again, it's a three year old company. So they, they're really working from behind. But at the same time, I like little stuff like that because it's it's unique and different. And the, the Flores Lava thing was brilliant because that's kids watch so much Netflix and that show in particular has their imagination. So I thought that was a good move. Uh, Amanda, we know you, we know you have a, an out here. So, um, I just wanted to say before you, any, any final thoughts and just as you look at the overall scene, Oh, here's a question for you. You talked about CM Punk. There's also been some rumors that triple H may be talking to CM Punk and saying, Hey, once your deals up at AEW, you come back here. Um, does that help WWE at all? Or is it just like, you know, if, feels like you're going backwards a little bit it seems like going back to wwe is in a backwards trajectory in terms of your career um so i don't think that's a bad thing i think it it keeps his pocketbooks full and it's a mutually beneficial conversation for them both and if you're going to get anyone's attention at wwe you want to get triple h's attention so i think that's that plays in punk's favor Remind everybody where they can find you on Twitter and Instagram and, and everywhere else. Everyone in Jacksonville who should be listening to this. Everyone in Jacksonville. I love I love the good place. That's my Jacksonville connection. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm AK Stonall on Twitter, although I'm scared to tweet these days. I'm yeah. Amanda K. Stonall on Instagram and I think TikTok, too. But that's where I'm at. <laughs> Amanda, thank you so much for jumping in here today. We know you have to run and uh, come back and talk to us again soon. Okay. It's an honor and a pleasure. I can't uh, ever match Miss Julie, but I will try. None of us can. Thank you, Amanda. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, so it's Thanksgiving week, and so I thought it'd be a good thing, a nice thing, to just kind of keep it light, keep it friendly this week. And we're going to talk about four things that we're thankful for. We're going to go back and forth. And so, um, Tom, would you mind if I go first? Absolutely not. Go right ahead. I'm in a giving mood. So I'm going to go with the obvious one. First of all, I am thankful for Dan Housen. Uh, Dan Housen is is because Dan Housen got me to watch AEW. Um, and, um, I find Dan Housen's, uh, the character he had for most of this year to at times, I will say just be the funniest thing in the world. And I don't mean like just in wrestling, I mean, in general, like there is just, he has innate comedy, comedic timing, um, is consistently funny. Um, and the one thing we've talked about before is, as Vince would always say, how do you get it to the ring? 
And um, that is one thing that I said, yeah, that did kind of sometimes feel underwhelming because he'd come out, everyone would be all excited. Oh my God, it's Dan Housen. And then he would just get squashed like a pancake. And in the last, uh, what would we say, about a week or so, maybe a little bit longer, he's taken a darker turn. And uh, Tommy, I got to say, I don't know if I like it. I think, well, I don't think it's permanent though. That's the thing. So we saw Dan Housen's, like, first of all, I thought he was your number one pick because he's clearly doing a Bray Wyatt parody, which I love. <laughs> I loved the Bray Wyatt parody where yeah. it was very well done, but kept showing. So if for anyone go back and watch uh, on AEW, was it on, it was on uh rampage, right? It's Friday. Night. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so it's an even bigger troll job. So it's right after another, we'll, we'll, we'll get into Bray in a, in a little while. Um, spoiler didn't make my list, um, but I'll get into why at the end, but um, well, and before all this, John, so for the last few weeks on social media exclusively, Dan Housen has been more emo. He has been tweeting kind of depressing things and tweeting weird pictures of himself and and taking a darker tone, mainly off TV. But this was the first time that there was something teased on TV. Yeah, but even the tease was kind of good. It made me think this was going to be a misdirect because it felt like a Bray Wyatt comeback vignette or Edge. <laughs> remember, remember when they did all those, what was going on with Edge this year? Like that's, we'll have to talk about that the year end episode, but man, um, and love Edge, but I just don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Um, but it was these like creepy cryptic promos or vignettes for something's coming, but then Dan Housen didn't hide his face. <laughs> so you clearly at the end of every shot, you see him peeking in and then everyone well, it was says, this artistically shot, like gritty black and white. Uh, it was like film. It was a film yeah. canister rolling. And then Dan Housen well dumping out the glass jar of teeth. But my favorite thing was because it looked great, but you could clearly see Dan Housen like glimpses of him in this, in this him kind of like looking like, is the camera getting all this? Yeah. Right. Like it was a very and then they funny cut back to the factory who the factory is QT Marshall and his group of goons. There, they had just watched the video, and great job by QT of just kind of thro- putting his arms out in a shrug and going, "It's it's Danhausen. It's literally Danhausen. <laughs> just perfectly played. Very very well done. It's literally um, Dan. Well, it's literally Danhausen was a trending phrase for but, that. So that was as an example right there of well, AEW they, they doing were, some good stuff. Good, good they TV. Ran, they ran Darkhausen, the new da- Dark Danhausen in the pre-show for full gear, which I thought was brilliant. The pre-show for full gear would, uh, the entire show would have been fine in the pay-per-view. It was fantastic. And props to AEW for understanding that, Hey, put this on YouTube. You're going to get a few more buys and they ran it on YouTube and it looked great. And they had good matches on there and sold the pay-per-view really well. But so we had the best friends of orange Cassidy and the uh, tag team best friends waiting on a fifth participant in the match, which was going to be Dan Housen. He showed up later and he showed up to the ring, new gear, new jacket, new theme music, spookier makeup ever. And he shows up to the ring and the place blew up and he went into the ring and he didn't look like Dan Housen previously because Dan Housen previously, because he's a smaller guy, they, you know, they get him tossed around a little bit and there's certain things he does, but he went in and he, he threw a, crazy lariat 
and uh, a Northern Lights suplex and all this stuff. He he looked like a legit threat, which I like a lot. And he brought to the ring two things. One thing that he used to bring on the indies that I haven't seen in a while is the jar of teeth, which so he people send Danhausen human teeth uh, because he used to have a bag of teeth that he would dump in his opponent's mouth. And so the, <laughs> the teeth are back and there was a giant teeth chant, which cracked me up to no end. And so, so they're just going uh, teeth because I only got to see bits and pieces, but they were going teeth, 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 yep. teeth. <laughs> and so uh, Camarado, the big man, I mean, was fantastic. on the ground. But why isn't AEW leaning into this a billion times more? Like, why didn't they do this sooner? Like, like I'm into if you got a guy dumping teeth in someone's, I'm gonna watch that shit. That's amazing. Well, he dumped the teeth into Camarado's mouth and then super kicked him in the face, and teeth just go fly. Oh, that's it was a great fantastic. visual. Why it took so long? And he got the win, but the best part was at the end of the match. So he came with the teeth and like a railroad spike. And <laughs> yes. so at the end of the match, he held the railroad spike high. And the best friends who their gimmick is we hug each other, they like kind of begrudgingly hugged Danhausen. And that was they very all good. were each of them had the most like stunned and scared expression on their faces. So Cassidy had his sunglasses tilted so that he could kind of look at the spike. Um, oh, very good detail. The, yeah. The Kentucky gentleman, uh, Chucky e. T had kind of a horrified, like disgusted impression on his face. And then uh, Trent Beretta had a very, like a scared look on his face. And it's a still shot that will live forever. AEW's plastered it on all their socials. I love the Danhausen turn because it, so fast forward later on in the night, we saw them again, but Danhausen was mild mannered Danhausen again. He was back in the old makeup and he was back in his old gear. So I don't think that's a forever Danhausen. I think that's a character that's going to come out in, for special appearances. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Tommy, who are you thankful for? Who's number well, one? Uh, we, we talked about him already, uh, but I'm going to bring him up. All Atlantic champion, Orange Cassidy, uh, for very similar reasons. Um, but I think that Orange Cassidy, for me, has really kind of, he was the reason I stayed watching AEW. When I started watching AEW, I was always a WWE guy. I grew up in the Northeast. They were the territory that I watched exclusively. Uh, when WCW got their, uh, you know, got their TBS contract and they were on the Turner Networks, I didn't really watch them that much. Even when the WCW was a big deal with the NWO, it just wasn't my cup of tea. And especially now, with the hindsight of being able to look back at those matches, yeah, at late stages, WCW was not great. WWE was always my thing. And so WWE has a particular style that you get used to and you think that's wrestling and that's all that wrestling is. But when I started watching AEW, the one guy that captured my imagination was Orange Cassidy, who I'd known about just from seeing clips that were, show, that were shared online, little indie shows, and just hearing the legend of this, you know, this lazy guy. And when I saw him on TV, there's something so compelling about him because he's just not a big guy. And he has all these gimmicks that could be so silly if he didn't know inside and out how to use every single thing that he does. Everything he does in the ring means something. Everything he does in the ring is part of a character and part of the different textures and layers that he adds to it. That could be a one-note character, could be a comedy character, and it's not anymore. It is a legitimate, full-blown, great gimmick. 
And as far as his skill set in the ring, I mean, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is Shawn Michaels. I think their skill set is super similar. If you if you watch Orange Cassidy and you watch uh, Shawn Michaels, you can, you're going to see a lot of connective tissue between those two guys. And I think that Orange Cassidy, despite his size, works really well with the bigs, may work better with the bigs than he does guys his own size. But more than anything, I'm a big Muppet Show fan. I grew up with the Muppet Show as like must watch in my home until the days where it was lost in the ether of, of uh, broadcast television. And Orange Cassidy provides Muppet Show moments, meaning that his humor is random and weird and fun and comes out of nowhere. Uh, perfect example is how he's trolling Mark Henry on Rampage, which, by the way, Rampage has basically become Orange's show. Uh, just like The Rock's show was SmackDown back in the day, Rampage is the Orange Cassidy show. And Mark Henry, I wouldn't, the, I wouldn't tell the executives from the network that necessarily, but uh, it's still it's their B show on a Friday night and they're still getting about a half a million people. That is still a lot more people than watch some really expensive television. Yeah, but it's but here's the thing is that I, I agree with you. Everything that you're saying, I think it's good television and I think it's an underrated show. But why? You know what I mean? Like it's like your competition's dateline. At that point. And I think, I don't know about you, but I've gotten to a point where I'm datelined out. I just, I can't, it's the news every day. I'm just like, why isn't it bigger? Like what? And like, you know, he's in the floor as lava, but it's just like, and we've seen interviews with him, like, you know, at conferences, he's fantastic. And it's just like, ah, I, why? I, I just don't understand why, you know, there, I get it. You can't go on the NBC talk shows and stuff like that. Why can't Orange Cassidy go on Jimmy Kimmel Live? Why can't Orange Cassidy go on Corden or something? Why can't he even, even, I mean, they do so many things in AEW that are progressive. Why can't he go on Colbert and do a four minute segment where he just gives a bunch of short answers? Why is I that not, not happening? Quite frankly, I don't think those shows care about wrestling. And if they did, it would be WWE only. But also, that's a shame. I mean, AEW Rampage draws more viewers than a lot of those shows you mentioned. So that's why would they care about yeah, getting them that's, on? That's true. I mean, well, where else? Where where else do we put? But he's got to go somewhere. I like. I don't know why, that he has to. I I really think that I just the think ratings. Uh, the ratings thing is overblown. In that, I don't know that there are casuals anymore to anything. I don't. Well, th- I don't think there are. But uh, the one thing that you do need is people like Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy who draw both people who wouldn't watch wrestling at all and are like, what's this weird thing? I like this. Or kids. Kids love those two characters. I mean, my son and I yeah. getting to cosplay as Orange Cassidy was like a top top 10 moment in my life. It was so much fun because it was, but there's no, there, I can't think of anybody else other than maybe Dan Housen that we could have done that as and bonded like that. And it, there's just some, there's a magic to that guy. He is pure fun from the second he steps out to the, to the, how he wins his matches. And I really like the whole, the best friends universe. I, I really, I like the best friends as a tag team. I wish they would use them more. Uh, I I'm looking forward to Chris Statlander coming back. Cause she's a great woman's wrestler and part of the faction and the inclusion of Dan Housen, who again, doesn't make sense in the group at all. And yet makes total sense. They are so much fun every single week, and I look forward to seeing that group every week on my television screen. Two questions I want to throw at you real quick. 
And the first one's a simple one is that it just in terms of trying to get someone like the Dan Housens, uh, the Orange Cassidy's of the world who are fantastic characters. But again, time is precious. You know, clock's always ticking with people and you never know what's going to happen as we know with injuries and things like that. Yeah. And Orange and, is in his late thirties. So, so I think, I think we, he's 38. We've talked about the murder and the, and there's some, as, as Mr. McMahon would call it, connective tissue between behind the scenes, if you follow all the studio mergers and things like that, between potentially AEW and maybe the DC universe. Right, Tommy? And those, yes. are two, those are two places that I think could help each other. And I think that they could both stand. I mean, like, why, when is that going to happen and why hasn't it? And is that something you'd try to pull off? Well, they have a superhero and her name is Jade Cargill. I okay, mean, th- yeah. W- when you talk about head turners, all right. Agreed. AEW, typically when people are, are drawn into AEW, it's either the weirdness, so the Orange Cassidy's yep. and the, the Danhausen's, or the athleticism, so the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros, or Jade Cargill will turn any head anywhere. I mean, yep. she is superhuman, and yep. she just signed with a major agency. And one interesting little tidbit that I noticed, because I follow Jade on, on Twitter, so she, uh, people, she was asking openly, like, oh, what should I cosplay at, as, uh, at Full Gear? Because she typically will put that out to the fans, like, hey, do you, who do you want me uh, to dress as? And um, so everyone was, of course, saying uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever cosplay. And she said back to that, I can't do that, we're DC. So I thought that was super interesting that that was there. She made sure that she tweeted that out. Second, uh, prob- probably to stop the deluge of people asking her to do Black Panther, what kind of forever cosplay, but also to make sure people knew, hey, uh, we're DC and I just signed with a, an agency. So I don't know. I, she's, I, she's also very special. And I think that she's somebody that she has major mainstream potential. Uh, so I, I, she's a superhero in real life. I think she'll be one on the screen at some point. Second question for you is, you know, with a character like Orange Cassidy, we just talked about Dan Housen's kind of metamorphosis. Realistically, though, how much longer can you see Orange Cassidy going like this before you do start to add some depth and some layers? Because, uh, you know, I love him, but like, man, it's going to get to a point where I'm going to say, I need to see some turns with this character. So I have watched so much Cassidy that I feel like I've already seen those turns. I think that there are more to come. But Orange Cassidy, over the course of his feud with Chris Jericho, over the course of his feud with Pac, Orange has not just been a one-note comedy guy. He's had some really serious feuds. And he's a, so he's a guy, because of his style and because of his character being lighter, when Cassidy like bleeds or when Cassidy like sells an injury, it means more because you don't expect that stuff from him. And he can do it. But he's not called upon to do it a lot. So that's the type of impact that, like, he still has in his future. Where as the All-Atlantic, I hope he holds that All-Atlantic championship for years. I hope he never drops it. Uh, but realistically, you, you can feud him with anybody. I mean, there's no reason he should have had a good match with Wardlow. And yet he did. And he took Wardlow to the limit and, and had a long match with him. Um, and he's... I think I'm, I'm off the horse as far as like, I don't need to see Orange Cassidy world heavyweight champion, uh, but I love this all Atlantic run. I love that he's a fighting champion and he's the one laying down the, the challenges. I think it's great. And yeah, I mean, uh, of course, like anything, it will get old, but 
I've seen Cassidy evolve and grow and add to the arsenal over the three years at AEW, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to the future with him. You know, the analogy you brought up was Undertaker because you were like, it's similar. But again, I just want to say at a certain point, the Undertaker had to talk. You know, we had yeah. we had to rip that Band-Aid off. So, well, and that's I, where Orange's Muppet Show moments are so important, because like when he trolls Mark Henry, when he pulls out the, or, the freshly <clears throat> squeezed microphone and tries to take over Mark Henry's catchphrase, like when he's in the foreground of a shot instead of the background of a shot, having popped up from the bottom, like the Manamana character. Like, there's so much that he has done to have fun and to create these weird, weird and fun little moments. Um, I, th- I just, I think the world of the guy and I, 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 I I've seen dis- a lot already. I don't disagree. He's fine. I just think that you got to get serious at some point. You know what I'm saying? Like, there yep. does have to be sort of that story. Like, The Undertaker went from being spooky and, oh my God, you know, <laughs> what, gi- what ill-advised giant is he wrestling this year at WrestleMania where he has to kind of try to do everything at six foot ten and then there came, you know, the Paul Bearer turn and the Kane storyline and things got a little real. And it was like, we saw vulnerability in The Undertaker. And I'm just like, what, what's going to, is it going to be a romantic interest? Is it going to be something in his family? Like there, I just need to see something at some point. And my, my thing is though, I think that they got to find him. They, I mean, I'm sorry. Like he's a great character. You got to find some more casual people in pop culture to get into him. Because my thing with Dan Housen is seeing him turn, okay, that can work because it's a scary, spooky character, but at some point you're going to need to add some depth to Orange Cassidy, and I would hate for casual fans to miss out on all the great stuff he's doing right now. John, what if we're missing, the like right in front of our faces, what if we're missing the feud? What if we're missing That's Orange it. Cassidy and Dan Housen? There you go. Built, what if they're building Dan Housen to turn on Cassidy? Oh my goodness. Wow. How fantastic would that be? I wouldn't be? say no to that. I love them together, but I would 100% enjoy a feud with them against each other. So that's we'll gripping. Uh, okay. I'm going to go to my number two. Uh, I am thankful for Kevin Owens. I've talked about my love of Kevin Owens many times before. Um, I even heard uh, Bruce Pritchard on the OG, the greatest wrestling podcast, something wrestled with Bruce Pritchard. They're back, Tommy. They're doing new episodes. Nice. Um, uh, Conrad and Bruce. And uh, Bruce even made that joke that he's like, yeah, right now I'm in my Kevin Owens dad clothes. But I said, exactly. And that's why I love him, because that's who I am in life now. And he hits me the way like when you're a kid. And I've said this before. You dream of being the rock. You dream of, uh, you know, or, or Stone Cold. Those are the, the two. And then now I'm like, I am that guy. I am the guy with the, the beat up Celtic shorts that I wear around way too often. I am the guy that that I'm at a thing with my kid at 8 a.m. And, and I look as happy as you'd think I'd be. I'm happy to be with my kid, but not talking to the parents. And that's who Kevin, that's the energy he gives off. And two things I want to say about Kevin Owens are, first of all, we, we should all be thankful for him because I mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin. And thanks to Kevin Owens, we got that match. We got that match, um, you know, at WrestleMania where it started slow. It was painful. It was, oh, God, this is a bad idea. But that thing by the end of it was like, you're you're almost in tears. Like, it was just such a beautifully done thing by Stone Cold Steve Austin and by Kevin Owens. And so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that he... No no knock on Stone Cold Steve Austin, but done mostly by Owens. I think... I mean, look, almost entirely by Owens. (laughs) No knock at all. I mean, well, first of all, two things. Stone Stone Cold Steve Austin... 
kind of saved the business. You know, yeah. people have been over. Absolutely. And, and even Hulk Hogan, we always uh, off air will will joke because I was I was lucky enough to write and pitch a couple things for Hulk Hogan during my time there. He was there when I was there. We crossed paths, and he did. He he uh, it worked for him, brother. He never said no, and it might have been because Bruce was there to say this is why we're doing it. Um, so I was spared it, and believe me, I heard all the stories from certain producers. You can look up who were producers in 2019. They all had similar things to say about Hulk. But even he has said Steve Austin was like fire, like he, you know, revolutionized and he, Hulk was able to do more things because of Steve. Um, that said, having said that, I think even Steve Austin would probably say, I mean, you know, Kevin Owens, that's the real deal right there like that, you yep. know, and, and he kept the pace going until Steve was able to turn that corner. And he also he also got us through whatever the hell Ezekiel was supposed to be. I still don't know. <laughs> yep. At this point, uh, that that's going to be one of those things where the network or I don't think they're going to be with Peacock. I don't think that's going to be a permanent arrangement. Um, you know, take it or leave it, whether or not there's some inside info there. But we can all read the trades. We all know kind of what's going on with Peacock. They're doing um, what's her name? The, the They're doing murderers now. They're doing shows for murderers. The girl down in Casey Anthony is going to have a show. So congratulations. <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's, it just makes me feel so bad. I had a pitch that I couldn't sell something to Peacock. Casey Anthony has a show on Peacock. Yeah. So that's how I feel right now. Um, but I will say that, um, you know, he got us. Uh, I, I can't wait to see the documentary on what that was supposed to be. The Ezekiel Elias thing. It's 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 our gobbledygooker. And if you don't know that, go look that up because that's the greatest of all time. But here's what I'll say about Kevin Owens. I'm grateful for him for all the reasons I just said. And I'm going to come out and say it. Everyone keeps talking about who who breaks the streak for Roman Reigns. If you really wanted to blow up people's TVs and really get some eyeballs and have them go, what the hell? And win the casual fans and also chip in a little bit on AEW with their profe- we're real professional wrestling. I think it should be Kevin Owens. And he's the one guy that if he went over Roman Reigns, you know, I watch it and enjoy it from entertainment. If Kevin Owens went over Roman Reigns, I'd be jumping up and down like I was 10 years old. Say, holy shit, he did it. Yeah, he's just, he's good at everything. He's good, he's good wherever you put him on the card. He's good on the mic. He's good in the ring. I, the only things that I think that Kevin Owens, and these are not holes in his game, these are holes in WWE's game as far as presentation goes, just give him better music, please, and also make better merch for him. But other than that, as far as Kevin Owens, his presentation, his personality, and his athleticism, Guys, guys got it all. He's a he's a five tool player. He's one of my favorites to watch. Amen. Who's your number two? Uh, my number two. Uh, we just mentioned him as well. Is Roman Reigns? Um, okay. Roman Reigns is a megastar in yep. that he is compelling television every time he steps on the screen. Um, I love the the evolution of humanity and watching people learn and grow. And some people, when they are handed the torch, they inevitably stick their face in it and burn their eyebrows off. And some people take that thing and run. And Roman Reigns, I think, burnt himself a little bit and got a little singed and then picked up the torch correctly and has run twice as fast as anyone expected to. He's a guy that really took his lumps early on because he was just this massive guy with a great family history and pedigree and just had all of the physical tools. 
and I think got a lot of bad advice as far as how to present himself. Who knows? You know, we weren't there. So there were, I think there were a lot of missteps in how they presented Roman Reigns post the shield. Because in the shield where he got, he was the heater, you know, he was the big tough guy. And the other two guys were the bumpers and the workers. It was easier to disguise whatever weaknesses he had back then. But then as a singles, again, I don't understand. And it's not just exclusive to, to WWE. AEW does this as well. They did this with Wardlow a little bit. I don't know why they have such a hard time making these gigantic baby faces anything but like milk toast nowhere like you you can anticipate every word they're going to say you can anticipate everything they're going to do in a match and i think roman whether or not it was the the tutelage of paul Heyman, i can't say but i'm sure paul helped but roman reigns after coming back during the pandemic has been just absolute straight up fire uh doesn't i don't see him ever make a misstep in his matches, everything is clean and flawless, and everything in the promos. I mean, even when Sami Zayn is cracking everyone up, even if Roman <laughs> cracks, he'll use it. Roman will use it. He will. He will. If if Sami's going to crack him, he's going to make sure that that laugh ties into something. He's going to use it for something. I just never find him lost anywhere, and it's just he's a pleasure to watch. He is. Very close to, so my all-time top five, I mention it all the time. I've never mentioned who the top five are. My all-time favorite wrestlers, number one, Macho Man Randy Savage. Number two, Eddie Guerrero. Number three, Shawn Michaels. Number four, Bret Hart. And number five, Kurt Angle. And if there is a through line between those guys, it's that they could all wrestle any era. They could all wrestle any style. And I think that Roman Reigns is right there. Just an absolute megastar and always a pleasure to watch. But Tommy, he's, he's got to drop. He's got to do the honors at some point. Who do you think he should drop to? Do you know yet or are you still not undecided? I mean, the online perspective is that it should be Sami Zayn. I wish no, that no. was. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's just I, like I don't even want to get my hopes up. It's not going to happen. I think that ultimately. Hmm. It, it's who WWE believes in the most at the time. I don't think we know yet. I don't think they know. I think they have probably about five or six wrestlers that are, that are potentials, but I don't think they'll know until WrestleMania time or even after that, depending on wh whether or not. I don't see The Rock doing it. I don't see The Rock coming in and defeating Roman. No. I don't think that serves any purpose. Um, hey, like I just said, I put it out there. I'm in the uh, KO camp. And uh, also just to that end, think of the success Dusty Rhodes had working as the common man. And remember, Bruce Pritchard has said in numerous places, he thinks Dusty Rhodes could have carried that torch for WWE in the early days if they weren't able to get Terry Bollea, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan. And I agree. I think it would have been a much different WWE, but like you can identify this guy yeah. who cracks a beer, you know? Well, and I, and I think his son would definitely be in the short on the short list. Um Oh, I Cody. That, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Cody. That just Cody's feels easy on the to me. You know, it just feels easy. I think he's. That's Honestly, my my, you know, I'm rooting for Seth because that that Seth Roman match a few months ago was just amazing. And I would love to see a long term feud with them. I would love to see Seth being the guy <clears> that takes the, the title from him. But I maybe without I a shutter it's, island it's all, ending it's already this there. time, maybe with a better, <laughs> better finish. Um, I mean, do it. I mean, that was a different era though. That was Royal Rumble, right, Tom? Or was that the, that was Rumble? I believe, or, yeah, it was. 
it yeah, was. A lot of stuff happened that night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a different, it was a very different world back then. Yeah. I will say I am very far removed from working there, but I felt like the next day hearing the stories, I was like, boy, <laughs> my neck was sweating. Just hearing, I did cross paths a couple times with, uh, Shane McMahon and yeah. Um, at a couple different shows and yeah. Um, all right. Onto the positive. Let's onto let's the positives. Number three is you just mentioned him. Uh, so let's go right there. Sammy Zane. I got yeah. both Sammy Zane and Kevin Owens on my list, uh, because Sammy Zane, as I said, he's the Will Ferrell of wrestling in that the challenge is, can you be in a segment with him and not break? And I've not seen, I'll tell you the only one who has not broken. And it's no surprise, Paul Heyman. And yeah. I think it's just because, simply because Paul's a step ahead. He, I think he can see, Paul's a big comedy fan and a big student of comedy and uh, just, just loves it. And I think he knows, he knows what Sammy's going to do. And so I think Paul kind of has that Phil, Phil Hartman, uh, Chris Parnell vibe where it's like, I know where you're going, like, but I'm not going to break though, you know? And he's able to kind of lean against the rope and cover his mouth a little bit. If he can get Paul Heyman to break, Maybe you do give him the championship. <laughs> At that yeah. point, I go, yeah, that's just, you deserve something. You deserve, you, you got Paul Heyman to break championship belt at that point. You know what I love about Sammy, and I, I want to compare it to The Rock, in that, remember when The Rock was on his run, and just every week there'd be a new catchphrase, and then the following week he would reutilize the catchphrases that would work? Sammy's, Sammy collects moments and then replays them. Yep. And then so he's, he's getting to the point where a Sammy promo is so tight. And it's, it's like one week it'll be my dog. And then my dog will show up the next week. And then it'll be my dog. And then uh, it'll be Usi. And then the next week after that, it'll be the handshake with Jimmy. And it's, he collects all these moments. And so he's just texturing every single one of these promos where it's he's just playing the hits and then adding a new song that every li- everybody likes every week. He's just so fun to watch. And I, I, it's weird. Remember that match where he kind of busted out all his old stuff. He did the dive over the top rope and stuff. And it was, I thought that's where they were going with him. And he's kind of scaled back a little bit. I'm not sure exactly what they're doing with him in ring, but all I know is every time he's on the shows, I'm, I'm glued because he's, he's hilarious. I'll tell you who else's comedic style kind of reminds me of Harlan Williams a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, there's connective tissue from Reinman to Harlan Williams because he's first cousins with Kevin Hearn from Bare Naked Ladies. Again, folks, I want to remind you, this is the only podcast where you can get your Bare Naked Ladies and wrestling content. We are only for Andrew Goldstein. Hi, Andrew. Um, but there's a Harlan Williams to him. Remember when Harlan would go on Conan and just go batshit crazy and Conan yeah. couldn't keep up like Conan couldn't control it and he would just give him the look, you know, and it was even crazier than Norm Macdonald where he would just two minutes in the whole interview was out of control and you were laughing and crying. You didn't know why you didn't know what the hell was going on. And that's Sammy. And someone pointed out, and it might've been you, Tom, actually, that in the survivor series war games poster, the only everyone's making a serious, angry face for that match, except Sammy, who's giving you the big, SNL headshot mug. <laughs> yeah. The first year just, improv student smile. It's just fantastic. And it's just, and it's like Sammy Zane's been through so many different storylines and gimmicks. 
that would just kill anyone else. They would just kill their whole spirit. But he always goes, all right, and just fucking makes it work. And it's just well, like the, the three guys we've mentioned for WWE right now, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn, the one, the, the connective tissue, if you will, between those three guys is they're all survivors. They yeah. all survived bad gimmicks, bad matches, bad feuds, bad creative, and they persevered. Well, not necessarily bad, but mid card, you know, stuff that was just like, okay, while you're here, go do this. And um, I just love that this it's organically and it does remind me of The Rock in that 99, um, you know, when Stone Cold was still red hot and I'm, I look, man, I know everyone's a part of this, but I, I want to say I bought early. I bought low on The Rock and it, remember early that summer and he wasn't quite he wasn't even like I would say top three, maybe four, yeah. but he wasn't bigger than Mankind. He wasn't bigger than Austin. Uh, I'm just thinking on the baby face side. Um, yeah, there's a few other people. Kane, I'd say it was bigger at the time. And, uh, rock was kind of like number four. Like he was sort of, and I just said, this guy's fucking hilarious. Like, I was like, this is the funniest thing. And it was like, you said every week it built. And I just always like to tell people that came along later, the story of how this guy was on in the middle of the show, just to kind of keep people around to connect from, McMahon coming out at the beginning and then whatever happened with Stone Cold and Undertaker at the end. I mean, it was a two hour show and he'd be on right there in the middle at 10 p.m. It's, this is the rock show and, you know, do all that. And within six months, hosting Saturday Night Live and then in yeah. movies. It's just fucking crazy. And there's well, got to the be rock, something like it was, that. He was a copious note taker. He was a guy yeah. that everything that he did, it was like, okay, this worked, this worked, this didn't. And anything that worked, he would build on it. And that's what Sammy does. Sammy does it to a different degree and with a different style, but it's very much the same preparation. It's like, okay, uh, this this is my toolbox. What can I add to it this week? And at, at one point, The Rock probably had about 25 catchphrases that were all equally over. It was ridiculous. Like he was a walking t-shirt factory. And I just want to say, we mentioned it earlier, the jackass match at WrestleMania, which Sammy brilliantly. I mean, like, I think that's the best celebrity match I mean, look, everyone, all these all the old heads like, you know, us like talk about Bam Bam versus LT. And of course, Andy Kaufman, Jerry, I mean, Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler, that's the gold standard just because of everything they went through to make that so believable and mainstream to the point where when I saw Man on the Moon and they did the reveal, I went, huh! and then I took my dad to see it. And my dad, as you know, the ultimate wrestling skeptic went, huh! like, <laughs> you yeah. know, like that was so well done. But Sami Zayn, I will say that. I think there's, especially in this weird comedy world we're in right now, where everyone's like, what's next? And you look at shows like I Think You Should Leave. You look at shows like Auntie Donna, and you look at Netflix. There's something there for Sami Zayn. I think there's yeah. something. We've talked about our truth a lot, but I think Sami Zayn, there's a world for what he is. It's just, it's so over, and, and I really hope that, um, you know, there's, there's a place for him. It's not The Rock. It's different. But there's a place in the quirky TikTok-y comedy world, I think Sami Zayn could really blow up. So he's my uh, number three. What about you? Well, and, and just one thing, one more thing on Sammy. when you mentioned the match with Johnny Knoxville, is that this is going to sound silly in a world where you're sometimes called upon to wrestle people like Omos and uh, Braun Strowman. But when you go into the ring with someone who is not a wrestler and you're like, okay, this person, you're going to wrestle this person at WrestleMania. They are not a trained wrestler. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of bullshit in the ring. It's all going to hurt. 
Uh, they're not a trained wrestler, so they're going to hurt when they, you, you're going to get body slammed by a guy coming out from under the ring. That's going to hurt. They're not a trained wrestler. So when you give your body to that, when you actually allow all the stuff that happened to him during that Johnny Knoxville match, again, it looked sublime and it looked silly and all of it hurt. I'm sure every single thing that happened to him in that match hurt a lot. And he, he did it and came out on the other side. And now I, I'm very, very happy to see him, in, you know, at the top of the card, at least peripheral to the top player. Um, so my th- my uh, next one, I am thankful for Mr. Tony Khan. Um, okay. Tony is somebody that we have made light of on the show because we make light of pretty much everyone. But I think that I was a WWE fan and a WWF fan growing up more than I was a wrestling fan. Um, I simply didn't have the type of love that would send me to a basketball gym in in some small town to watch some up-and-coming wrestlers wrestle in front of 20 people. I just wasn't going to do that. And AEW has brought that feel, for better or worse sometimes, but I think it's mostly for the better, to television and exposed me to a different type of match, a different type of feel, and a, an indie appreciation that I didn't have before. I mean, you know, John, when we started... Uh, when AEW started, you were at WWE, and I was a major skeptic up front. There was a lot of stuff I didn't like. For everything that I did like, like Orange Cassidy and Jericho coming in and all that stuff, there were a lot of things that I just didn't, I didn't get. I didn't understand it. Yeah. And we, we can't understate how young that company is. Three years in, it is a as we talked about with Amanda, it is a skeleton crew, I believe, as far as it's a small company with a very tight-knit group of people that keep it together. But the wrestling style, the stuff they're putting on TV, like anything else, it's a variety show. Not all that variety works. Um, but I love the fact that they take chances, they do something different, and Tony Khan, as a young executive, is showing major growth. I think that he's showing a lot more maturity. This past uh, full gear, the press conference afterwards, again, I thought he held that together very well. I thought he stepped up as a leader and served his purpose on there. There was a moment where uh, MJF came in, new champion MJF, which I can't wait to see how that plays out. Uh, he came in and dropped F-bombs and shit all over Tony Khan. And, but, of, of course, it feels an awful lot like that was kayfabe. Um, <laughs> you but, think? Yeah, but I. But I thought none, it was. Okay. But, I thought it was okay. I mean, I love MJF. He's yeah. not on my list, but he's a he's an he's an honorable mention. Um, well, and, I think that that's another thing that. But we, I mean, come on, that was that was like the screw job when they tried to replicate the screw job in '98 Survivor Series was like, oh, get it. So I was well, okay with it. It was so MJF being MJF, which is cool, but, but you know, right? And well, another feather in Tony's cap is that. Both companies are loaded with talent that are experienced, meaning they've been in the business for 10 plus years. Both rosters, and I've bemoaned this, have a glut of performers who are 35 to 45 years old. Nothing wrong with that. These are people who are seasoned. These are people who put on great matches. The problem is that if you have too many people between 35 and 45, you are not going to draw in young viewers. And when you have a 26 year old guy, who is as experienced as MJF is, 
as good as MJF is and as has a bright a future as MJF does. Put the belt on him. See what's going to happen. Title. I bet that's going to draw some people in. Um, I agree. Um, I'll get real quick to my number four. And Tom, I bet you can't guess it, but that's okay. <clears throat> my is number four. Well, of course, Tom. My number four is actually uh, Britt Baker, DDS. I'm uh, very thankful for her because I think that plays a great heel. I will admit I was hugely skeptical when I first saw her, when I was really watching a lot, when they were doing a lot of those shows at uh, Daly's Place. And um, it just seemed like a goofy thing. It was just like, and then I found out she was really a you know dentist. And I was like, well, that's kind of cool. And so there's that intrigue thing that, again, I wish they would lean into. That's a human interest story. CBS Sunday morning. That's a huge rated show. Those Sunday morning shows are huge. Why is Britt Baker not all over the place? I mean, did you see the the little nugget that came out this week about her? What? So during AEW television and pay-per-views, when someone has a tooth issue, when someone gets a tooth loose or tooth knocked out, they call her in to help. Dude, that's awesome. But but like, (laughs) God, please run with that story. Yeah. That is how you get cat. That's fucking interesting. And I think that, um, but the reason I like her from a wrestling standpoint uh, is that AEW, to their credit, they've been adding a lot to their women's division. And there've been a lot of, you know, with, uh, with Ruby and Soraya and all these people coming back. And we talked about Jade, but who's been the person who's been the glue that is always the villain. That's always the heel that they kind of have to run through Britt Baker. And if you just take away all that other stuff, and just watch it. The, the performance. I'm a huge fan. And I just think that uh, she, like you just said, that there she sounds like such, such an empathetic and great person at backstage. She is an asshole on that show. Yep. She is such a hateable fucking person. You're just and, like, and yet the crowd oh, can't hate her. They love it, her. It reminds me of Idris Elba when he was on the office. Remember when, I don't know if you ever saw when Idris Elba was on the office, but he played basically a heel. The office, by the way, I want to point out, for any wrestling fans that are like, what should I watch for comedy? Watch The Office. Seasons one through seven. I mean, there is a great return that happens at the end. But one through seven, when Steve Carell's on, that is a great show and a great blueprint for if you're trying to get someone into what is a heel, what is a face. They have great turns on that show. And Idris Elba played this character. We know Idris Elba. We know him as Luther. We know him as for all these action movies. He was a fucking asshole in The Office where I hated him. And I like viscerally angry. And I was so glad when he lost and I'm not going to spoil how, but I was like, ah, like get that guy out of there. You got me to root against Idris Elba. And like, that's what Britt Baker does. Whereas like, I know the real story, but I'm just like, ah, whenever she's on camera. And I just think that, but that is what you do to get people over when, when they come back and really, and to me, it's like, like that is a, I know MJF. I know he's always in character. I know blah, blah, blah. Britt Baker. It's organic though. Where I'm just like, oh, you know? And so well, and that's re- remember John, for. she learned on television. Yeah. That's really hard to do. She learned Fantastic. while on TV and she, you know, she was again, I, it comes down to the people that work the hardest at their character and work yep. the hardest at like seeing what works and what doesn't work. Her evolution was purely as a character that was already on television and she made it work. And Britt, Britt is smart. 
Uh, she is a very good worker. She's a solid hand that can work with anyone and work with every, work with every style. She's tough as nails. I mean, she's had her face smashed in at so many times at this point and continues to wrestle these matches with her nose leaking. I mean, she is somebody that I love to watch because I know no matter what, whether, whether she's the heel or the face, whether, whoever she's, you know, whatever style she's wrestling, whoever she's wrestling, it's going to be entertaining. I really, really think the world of Britt Baker and that women's division. Again, now we're starting to mention names. Now we're starting to mention, okay, yeah. we got Britt Baker. We have Jade Cargill. We have uh, Athena. We have, um, you know, there's, there's a wealth of uh, performers in the women's division now that all of a sudden you're starting to see those women's matches are starting to pop off. The, I feel bad that during uh, full gear, so ultimately, Jade Cargill decided to cosplay as Chitara from the Thundercats and for whatever reason had to fight her unitard as much as she was fighting Nyla Rose. <laughs> Whoever designed it did not design the top particularly well. So there she was joked a lot about of, it, though. She made it. Yeah, yeah. No, she, and she did. And that again, that's smart. And Britt and Jade are both really good at social media as well. So they're also, both. I've never heard. I've never heard Britt Baker go. Saraya, Saraya, Saraya to kick off a promo <laughs> and to which I go click. All right, Tom, who's your number four? Um, my number four is turnbuckles. Um, the hey, turnbuckles podcast about us, you guys, uh, this has been a really, really fun year. Um, both being able to, uh, talk with one of my best friends in the world every week, but also talk to a now not new, but a, a now wonderful friend in Julie. But, uh, Turnbuckles has taught me a lot, both in how to try to express myself without fear. Um, I think that early on, and when I go back and listen to those early shows, sometimes I can hear it. Uh, I think we were all a little afraid of our own shadow as far as being able to express opinions and being able to, you know, well, can't say this, can't say that. People get really concerned with access. And I think at a certain point we decided we were just going to be ourselves and talk freely uh, and just not be insulting and not be, you know, not be directly uh, dismissive of anybody that didn't do something really wrong, like something, you know, some, some kind of uh, personal transgression. And as far as what happens on the screen, we get to look at it from a media perspective. We also want to thank our wonderful producer, Sean Bannon, who is up and editing. And when we message him and say, Hey, you know, that time I insulted that person and uh, yeah. tried to start a fight. Can you take that out? <laughs> so yeah. thank you, Sean. You've done that for me a couple of times. Yeah. The 15 minutes where I was just fumfering around. Could you take all of that out? Please? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Just re replace it with some, uh, some stock music. Well, I got to Well, before we go though, is there anyone you wanted to have on your thankful list and they just didn't quite make it. I'll give you mine right now. Bray Wyatt. I wanted yeah. to be thankful for Bray. And uh, I was, that was the best comeback I've ever seen. That's it. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm just saying I've not seen any, we're kind of on a, I don't want to say a losing streak, but um, I don't know, man. I, I want my, as Bruce says, he wants his Hulkster. I want my fiend. You know, there's a couple of times I got to be around the, the Bray Wyatt character. Most elect, seriously, in anything, whether it's music, comedy, news, Bray Wyatt was the most engaging, incredible, inspiring in-person performer that I've ever been on a set with to the point where it was only a couple times and I remember every second of it. And uh, to go from that to he's in the background of a shot yelling at thin air. Ah, just, uh, I'm not there. So he was, I wish he was on my list. He didn't make it. What about you? 
Anybody? Um, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to buck the trend. I'm going to throw them on my list because this was just a moment that uh, will live with me maybe forever. Oh, are you going to make me look like the bad guy here? No, 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 no. This is this. this so. At full gear, we saw the return of the elite. We saw Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson return to the ring against Death Triangle, Pac and the Lucha Bros. And they're going to have a best of seven series spiraling off of that match. So that match was actually won by Death Triangle and the Lucha Bros. So they're going to have at least five more matches to decide who is the best trios team. But so the, I have had a love-hate relationship with the Elite. Uh, Kenny Omega, I've always thought, was an excellent wrestler and has become more and more compelling as time has gone on to me. Matt and Nick Jackson, I was not sold on and have slowly come around. And that match in particular was such an absolute banger, just beginning to end action, something I've never seen before. And I'm, I'm looking forward to as many of those matches as they can put on TV. But the Elite returned to the ring. So my son and I, Lorenzo, eight years old, we were sitting there watching the pay-per-view, and the Elite returned to carry on my wayward son by Kansas. And so I don't know how my son knows this song. He claims he didn't learn it at school. So carry on my wayward son brings the elite to the ring. And my son and I both in unison sang that song at the top of our lungs and then just enjoyed an absolute killer of a match. And that was such a great moment. And that's what I love about pro wrestling is that at 48 years old, 49 in the summer, I can still sit down and watch this silly carny thing that I've loved my whole life with my little boy and have a moment like that. And it's just, and it was, it was just magic. And it is one of those things that I didn't expect to want the elite back that much until I saw them. And until that song brought to them to the ring and then to find out the connection that that the, so the Jacksons, that was their favorite song with their dad. And that song was their Indies theme. So just that, that little tiny moment, that little pop culture moment, which, by the way, I think WWE should do a lot more of, and they, have, and if they don't have uh, any particular like for paying for royalty music, but that's when you pay for it. You pay for it to make those moments, and Tony Khan is brilliant at making those moments because he did it with the Rolling Stones and MJF in his return, and it looks like uh, Wayward Son is going to be the Elite's theme going forward, but... That, that moment and that great pay-per-view, getting to watch it with my boy uh, and getting to watch MJF win the championship at the end, uh, those are the moments I'm thankful for. So thank you, Elite, for coming back, and thank you for picking an absolute killer song. To come and thank back you, to. Bray Wyatt, for coming back. And let's, let's have the faith. Let's keep Jury's the faith. still out on that, John. Jury, jury is. is still way is. out. I, I think it to be very I'm good. I'm trying to be patient. And it's, just, it's a skeptic in me, and it's, it's, it's something I got to get over. That's my Uncle Howdy that I got to take care of. Uh, Monday Night Raw airs Mondays at 8 on USA, and then there's Friday Night SmackDown Fridays at 8 on the Fox Network. And as the uh, resident all-elite wrestling stan, AEW Dynamite airs on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TBS, unless it's preempted by basketball. And AEW Rampage airs on Friday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TNT. Also find AEW Dark on YouTube. That is free to watch and always fun. And also check out all the WWE content on what I like to call the Winged Rainbow. P 
Peacock. There's a lot of fun old shows on there you can go check out. Thank you for listening. We're thankful for you. Please subscribe, review, and give us a nice five-star rating. Don't forget to tick our talk on TikTok at Turnbuckles Pod, which is also our Instagram, and check out our YouTube page. Tommy, take us home. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and as always, see ya, buckleheads. Could be pilgrims, actually. They got buckles on their heads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.